The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So many of us know this story so well. I mean, it's, it's so hard to be a preacher on Palm Sunday. You know, everyone knows this story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, waving these palm branches, hailing as king. So preacher man, you know, what could you possibly tell me that's different than what I've heard before? And probably not anything. But the beautiful thing about the Bible and about what we believe about the Bible is that we believe it's alive. And it's not alive like your pet lizard. But it's alive because the Holy Spirit is at work in the words of the scriptures, but also in us. In preacher school, they teach you that there's two parts to a sermon. There's the part that I do, and then there's the part that you do. And so this Palm Sunday, I'm going to throw it back to you. Will you let this story speak to your heart? Will you let the Holy Spirit convict your heart? Will you hear these words and maybe hear, try to hear them in a new way? Throughout Lent, we've been coming back to this phrase, repentance and renewal, as coined or talked about by Augustine. Repentance and renewal. Some of us may be thinking, pastor, pastor, this whole repentance and renewal piece, this ignores this burning question for me that's going on inside me. It's not even about repentance and renewal. It's about, God, do you even care about us? Do you care about what's going on in our world right now? Do you care? Maybe, you know, personally, you don't feel like a stunning image of repentance and renewal. Maybe another Lent blew by for you without much time or space for reflection. Or maybe you even did spend time reflecting and intentionally doing that hard work of repentance and renewal. And, and you look at yourself in the mirror you say, I don't look any different. How do we make sense of this? Our energy levels are dropping. And then as Edward said, you know, we, we are looking at another... Um, another lockdown and saying, Lord, why? We're so done with COVID right now. And we may be tempted to think to ourselves, you know, we've trusted, we've waited, we've prayed. God, do you care about us? Show us you care. I was reading a book this week of a, uh, and it was, it was telling a story of a man named Bill. Bill is this driven, um, competitive, hardworking uh, executive, and, and also a Christian. And he showed up to church week in, week out, with his face looking more and more tired. And I've seen it on our faces over this year. We're looking more and more tired. And Bill has heard all of these sermons, and he knows all the verses, and he can sing all the songs off by heart, and he's been hearing for years and years how abundant life in Christ is supposed to be, but he knows how deeply empty and dried up he feels inside. 
After one Sunday service, the pastor looked at Bill and asked him how he felt about the sermon. His response, cynical as, maybe that's some of us this morning. God, do you care about us? As we start to waste away in our cynicism and anger. I wonder if this question was on the minds of those walking to Jerusalem way back when. In this story, I imagine, you know, the sun is high up in the sky, burning on the heads of the pilgrims, plodding towards Jerusalem for the Passover festival. You know, crowds and crowds of people would come to Jerusalem year after year to celebrate this festival. They would look forward to it. There was a mood of excitement and fatigue in the crowd, right? Excitement because they would go to Jerusalem and they would celebrate this Passover festival with their friends, with their family. They would remember the story of the Exodus long ago when God, their God, saved them, liberated them from the hand of their oppressors. But I can also imagine the fatigue that has set in as not only as they've made the trek to the Big Apple, but as they have year after year been praying and worshiping and asking God to do something, as they find themselves under the shadow of Roman authority. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine what it would be like to celebrate freedom and liberation and God's promises being overshadowed by oppression and authority. It's like, a little bit like, maybe, the rebels in Star Wars doing that whole uh, celebration on Endor after the, the Empire has been defeated, but reenacting this year after year. And then years later, after the Empire's come back and captured them, reenacting the story of Endor in the midst, in the middle of the Death Star. Like, that doesn't sound like fun. But every year, the Jews come, and they pray, and they worship, and they remember, and maybe just a little bit cynical as, does God really care? Can you find yourself in the crowd that day? Another lockdown looms over our city, we mourn another shooting this week in Boulder, Colorado. We're reminded again by the government to stay home, stay safe. So hard, so difficult. Does God care? In the midst of these questions, in the midst of these challenges in this story, Jesus hops up on a donkey, rides into Jerusalem as a king. Jesus comes not at the best of times, but at the worst. Not to a people who have their act together, but to a people who are full of hypocrisy. As John writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The story tells us of Jesus who comes to his people, not as a distant being. He gets intimately involved in their lives and he makes our lives his business. And this is nothing new if we read the Bible. The Bible is a story about God coming down, coming to his people. Think about 
God coming to Abraham, making him a promise. God coming to Jacob, revealing his power and love. God coming to Moses, making him a promise. I will be with you, giving him a mission. Go to Pharaoh. God comes to Mary. She says, he says to her, you will be the mother of the Messiah. God comes to us as the Holy Spirit into our hearts. God comes. He comes to Jerusalem that day, hailed as a king, who will eventually, he's going to make everything sad in our lives come untrue. Everything sad come untrue. And this is the crazy part of the Gospel of Mark, is that Mark makes a big deal, not just of Jesus that he comes, but how he comes. That is important to this story, that Jesus comes in on a donkey, right? Because Mark has something in the back of his mind when he's telling this story. He's intentionally crafting this with Zechariah 9 verse 9 in the back of his mind. Though he doesn't name it explicitly, it would be, it would be impossible to miss it if you were a Jew reading this, this text. Mark is describing Jesus as the Messiah King to a T. It's him. Can't deny it. He's the king, and he's coming to his people. Everything in the text is taking Jesus and throwing him onto the throne in Jerusalem. But keep reading past this story, and we see that Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It's not long before he starts flipping tables, judging people, confronting hypocrisy, greed, selfishness. But this isn't new for Jesus, is it? He's constantly been doing this throughout his whole ministry. He's been showing people how far they've drifted away from God's law and for God's will for their lives and how inconsistent their morality is. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus makes everything in our lives his business. Money, sex, career, power. Everything in us has been tainted by sin and brokenness. God cares about us. God comes to us. God cares about every part of us, good and bad. Is this good news? Is it good news that God cares about us? One preacher referred to Jesus' teaching as so challenging that by the end of the gospel, we should feel like a mass of smoking wreckage. Shot down out of the sky, making a crater in the ground, right? Jesus asks so much of us. There's been no teacher in history who's, been, who's asked so much of people. Demanded so much holiness. Do we let this text read us? Jesus is our king. Does he flip our tables sometimes too? Does he call out our hypocrisy? So is this good news, congregation? Is it good news that God cares about us like this? Is it good news that he comes as a king to judge us? I mean, wouldn't it be better if he didn't come at all and just let us live how we wanted to live? But remember, Jesus is a king, but he's a king that doesn't fit our ordinary categories for king. Look at his ride. You know, we might be tempted to think that Jesus would come riding Gandalf's Shadowfax, the majestic beast, the wonderful steed, but no. He rides a donkey. It's an animal that is more fit for a hobbit than a human. But yet, this is what Jesus does. 
He gets up on that donkey and he rides into Jerusalem as a king. What a strange sight that would have been. I did a Google search this week of uh, the triumphal entry. And what pops up on Google Images is a whole bunch of pictures of a white Jesus riding a white horse or a white, white donkey. And that's not the scene. Jesus gets on this humble donkey. I wonder if sometimes, uh, you know, along the way, the donkey would have been real skittish of the whole thing. I mean, nobody's ever ridden this, this donkey before. And, you know, maybe he took a few detours off the path, hard to corral, right? Maybe a few times the donkey was, fell under the weight of Jesus and, and collapsed onto the path. And Jesus had to pick himself up dust himself off, check and see if that donkey was okay, get back on and keep going. What if it was even a little awkward to watch? Jesus is king, having authority over all things. God has given Jesus all authority on heaven and on earth, and he gets on a donkey This makes absolutely no sense if he's a king that fits our categories, but he's not. Jesus is not just a king who comes to judge and rule a people. He's in a very surprising way. He's also incredibly vulnerable. He he voluntarily opens himself up to this. He, he, He holds both his majesty, his kingship, as well as a deep humility and meekness together as he rides into Jerusalem. Does God care about us? He cares about us enough to come as a king on a donkey. The question is why? Why would the king of the universe come to us like this? Why would, he, why would his uh, inauguration be pictured like this? Andy Crouch comments on this by saying to set free people who have suffered the most from idolatry, addiction, injustice, and tyranny requires someone to go where no one wants to go. I'll say that again for us. To set free people who have suffered from the most idolatry, addiction, injustice, and tyranny someone has to go where no one wants to go. Voluntary exposure to pain and loss. It's what it takes to set people free who are held captive. Someone's got to take the hit. To overcome brokenness, someone has to fall. To satisfy the king's justice and judgment, someone has to pay the price. To go where no one wants to go. The question is, who will go there? Who will expose themselves to the consequences of our sin, of our brokenness? Congregation, see your majestic king riding on a donkey. Jesus knows full well the story that's in front of him. He knows full well that the crowds that welcome him as king will trade their hosannas for shouts to kill him. But this is what he came to do. He cares about us 
He cares about us so much that he comes to us to lose himself. To love us to the end. To love us to his death. In a few days' time, we will ultimately see him take our judgment upon himself. We begin Holy Week. The song we're going to sing in a few moments is written by Isaac Watts. And he gets it right. He's reflecting on the significance of the crucifixion, and he sees the love of God who comes to him. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. As we continue to go through this holy week, we come to the table of our Lord, and we celebrate that it's God that's come to us. It's God that invites us. It's God that welcomes us. Half-hearted and broken people that we are. It's God that renews us. It's God that satisfies us. And it's because he comes to us as a king on a donkey. Those people he comes to are cynical as... And it's these that he invites to his table to be renewed. He invites us not just to take this feast, go back to our pews, and to take, eat, remember, and believe, but also to dream, to look forward, to picture what this feast is just a taste of. The feast in the kingdom. The feast in the kingdom of God when everything sad comes untrue. When we are with him forever. Let's pray. Father God, it's hard to imagine the scene. And yet, it's true. You are a king on a donkey, and you come to us to save us from our sin. Help us this week to continue to reflect on the cross and that we may believe more and more each day that it's true that you have paid the price to set us free. Love so amazing, so divine, Father. It, de it demands our lives, our soul, our all. May we give that to you this week. May we hand it over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.